Welcome in once again to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, a longtime friend and colleague. He is the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. The Talking Tide Twitter feed, of course, is at Talking underscore Tide. You can get links to all of our podcasts there. And, of course, you can get them on any podcasting app you prefer including Apple Podcasts. We are on Facebook and YouTube as well, live, as a matter of fact, right now uh, on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Travis will thank our sponsors really quickly. As always, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and our corporate sponsor, DraftKings, as we dive into another Sunday nighter. Taking a look at an Alabama scrimmage from Saturday afternoon over at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Travis, it was a a mercilessly hot afternoon in Tuscaloosa. I can personally attest to that. My clothes were sticking to the car seat when I I got out of the car for sure uh, to head over to uh, the media room to listen to Bryant, to listen to Nick Saban talk about what happened at a scrimmage that, of course, nobody saw from the media, closed. Uh, as they as they always are, uh, but we gleaned what we could, Travis. Yeah, you know, and man, imagine if you'd have had the media viewing periods, how sticky you would have been <laughs> on right. a muggy, hot day in West Central Alabama. And you know, there were some interesting comments I thought from Nick Saban post scrimmage. So yeah, we can delve into some of that. I mean, when you think about what the primary areas of interest we really had with this football team going into that first scrimmage. He talked about the wide receivers, uh, and he talked about some other areas of this team that we wanted to know about. Said the ones up front on the offensive line looked better. That was certainly encouraging. If you're an Alabama fan, the Crimson Tide, of course, looking for two new starters uh, at the tackle position, one on the left side, one on the right side. Uh, As we understand it, Travis, J.C. Latham is working that right side and looking pretty good this, uh, uh, this camp. Tyler Steen, the transfer from Vanderbilt, working on the left side. We'll see if that holds out through camp. But uh, from what I understand, anyway, that's the way things are looking. Saban, of course, didn't identify uh, who was uh, running with the ones. But that's uh, what what I understand it to be, anyway. And, and uh, look, that's big. And he said the two struggled. You, you, you're not necessarily surprised by that. Two struggle because they're twos. But but for the ones to be getting better, particularly against, uh, you know, assuming they're going up against ones, maybe they're not. They mix and match in those scrimmages a little bit. But uh, those guys need to gather together some uh, some cohesion and, and figure it out and, and come out of the box strong. Yeah, it sounds like that right side with Emil Echior back at right guard and then also uh, J.C. Latham taking another step at that tackle position they feel really good about. Darian Dahlcourt back at center, Seth McLaughlin back at center. So you've got a healthy competition there as well. It's the left side where things get interesting. And, you know, based on some things you hear coming from the scrimmage and some of those few little highlights, you know, Mm -hmm. a few takeaways we can have from those UA produced highlights anyway. Uh, You see Tyler Steen at left tackle. You even see some Kendall Randolph at left guard which is interesting with that first group because uh, Javion Cohen, obviously back after starting last season at that spot, we know Javion over the summer took care of some personal things from a mental health perspective, but Randolph's Mr. Dependable, man, whether it's 
left tackle, whether it's left guard, whether it's tight end. You can plug this guy in a, a lot of places. He's kind of like, I've said it before, he's kind of like that flex seal, you know? I don't know if he's the long-term permanent solution <laughs> in some of these places, good bread. Right. But if you got a little hole, you know, you got a little leak. He's you a just patch. Slap some, you just slap some Kendall Randolph on He's it. a good patch, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Nick Saban always likes to have that swing tackle with the twos that can plug in on the left side or the right side if somebody gets hurt, uh, you know, what have you. Uh, no telling who that'll be. Maybe that will be Randolph. Uh, but, you know, I, I think ba- you think back to, you know, guys like Alfred McCullough, for instance, he was kind of that mm-hmm. guy for Alabama and Nick Saban at one time, somebody who could work up and down the offensive line pretty much anywhere but center. But but I, I think I think tackle is, is kind of where he filled in the best he could a lot of the time. Uh, but, right, first things first, you got to find two, right? Yeah, you do. And it would be great if it works out where Tyler Steen is that plug and play guy at left tackle and Latham is your guy on the right side, not just because it gives you peace of mind, but because you can go ahead and start developing that continuity that you know they would love to to build upon as each passing practice goes there in fall camp. And, you know, we've seen it. We talked about it before how they've gone well into fall camp, into game week, searching for that first five. Well, it sounds like at least in terms of the prime suspects, they've got those guys figured out. Now, some of that may be because these are the guys that have separated themselves. Some of it may be because of what we heard Nick Saban talk about with the twos. They got what they got, you know, right? right? And their first seven or eight guys. But, you know, regardless, it it sounds like at least uh, Nick feels comfortable with the first five, six, seven guys he can run out there right now. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball for now, Travis. And, and you know, one of the notable things I thought from Saban's news conference was frustration with drop passes in that wide receiver core. And, and that, that perked my ears a little bit because it's not, th- that's not the first time we've heard it. We heard it throughout spring practice. Nick Saban uh, had some issues with, with, the numbers of dropped passes Alabama had in spring scrimmages. Uh, so, you know, and, I, and, and we saw a couple certainly on a day. So that that's a continuing thorn uh, seems to be in Nick Saban's side this off season is, is the consistency with which uh, this receiving core is, is just making the grab. And we can talk about the need for more dynamic playmaker types to go along with Jermaine Burton and maybe Ja'Cory Brooks becomes more of that guy, but you got to catch football first for speed and those things to matter. You got to be able to be consistent with the hands. And, you know, that's why a guy like Treshawn Holden, it's easy to keep thinking they're going to recruit over or beyond Treshawn Holden because he's not a 4-4 guy. Uh, but he is a guy that Bryce Young has shown to have a lot of confidence in. Uh, there is a... There is a chemistry there, I would say, between those two. And I think he'll catch the football for the most part. Now, you know, with JoJo Earl out, it becomes problematic in the slot. And so Christian Leary, you kind of look to there, did have some good things to say about Kobe Prentice on Saturday, the true freshman who I believe is working initially inside. So uh, there's an opportunity there, especially with Aaron Anderson still out, Chase. 
there's a lot of opportunities for guys both who have been in the program like Holden because he can play multiple spots. And then there is a guy like Kobe Prentice who does have that game-changing ability in terms of speed and quickness. Yeah, no doubt. And it sounds it sounds like they're pretty pleased with Jim, Jermaine Burton. And you saw enough of Burton the last uh, last year at Georgia to know he's a reliable guy. He can lead this. He, he can lead this receiving core. Maybe um, from a leadership standpoint, probably from a catches standpoint, yardage standpoint. That remains to be seen. Uh, I don't know if you know they may they may use Burton as as their deep guy. They may not. Uh, but it's beyond Burton where you wonder how things are going to shake out with the two, the three, the four, when they want to go four wide. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, uh, who came on a little bit last season toward toward the end of the year, uh, he had, from what I understand, one of those drops in the scrimmage that was, that was a big one, would have been a deep completion. So uh, a lot going into it at wide receiver for sure. Kobe Prentice, like you said, had a strong scrimmage. Certainly sounds like, though, the competition at wide receiver – uh, beyond Burton is a little more fluid, certainly than than maybe it is elsewhere. Yeah, still waiting to hear more from Tyler Harrell, right? I mean, so far it's been Jermaine Burton of the two transfers going back to last spring, and I agree with you. I think Jermaine Burton can be pretty easily a 100 catch guy in this offense this year, this season. Now, is he the guy that leads him in yards per catch? Maybe at the end, well. If if he's 100 catches, that would be hard to do to begin with. But, right. you know, Jamison Williams did that last year on 80 catches. I don't know if Jermaine's that kind of guy. Right. But uh, they need more guys to go with him. He's obviously the building block for this rotation to this point. And then, you know, with Harrell limited and or, you know, just not quite making that impact as of yet, you look at Ja'Cory Brooks as the other outside guy right now, and then maybe Holden right now anyway is more the guy inside. Um, so I think still to, to sort out there at receiver and that's why you have a couple of scrimmages, but certainly not the feeling at the very top of the rotation, at least when you had Mechie and Williams, even last year at this time, you knew you had your top two guys right now. You're not just looking for a third guy and you had Slade Bolden last year. So you felt like he would be that guy. So really right. your three guys last year at this time, you're right. We're good. You're still trying to figure out for sure your second, third guy here. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Plenty to shake out there at that wide receiver position. JoJo Earl, as you mentioned, out with a foot fracture, going to miss uh, six to eight weeks. That's the projection on his return. That would land him around the front end of October, roughly, Travis. It, it could be, you know, give or take a week, but – Maybe around that Texas A&M game, you'll hear grumblings that, jo that JoJo's on the mend, right? And there have been years where an injury like that to a guy battling for sort of a top three or a three through five spot in the rotation would just be catastrophic to his chances for the entire season, even if he was coming back in October. But this don't look like one of those rotations. This isn't Devontae, Judy, Ruggs, right. and Waddle we're talking about here. So look. You hate to see it, and you'd obviously like to have him right now going into the season, but absolutely, even by October 1st, you may still have a spot for JoJo Earl, and that's based just on production and performance that we're talking about right now. If you have an injury or two in September, you're going to be really chomping at the bit to get number 10 back in that mix. 
Yeah, Earl brings a return game too. We'll mention yeah. that quickly as well. A, a guy who got some punt return experience for uh, for Alabama last season sounded to me from listening to Saban on Saturday that Earl's his guy as the, as the punt returner. Uh, but uh, Kool Aid McKinstry, I guess, a possibility to work in behind him. Maybe Jameer Gibbs, uh, who I think could give Alabama something certainly on kickoff return as well. So, yeah. but for, for the first half of the season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who they pop out there in the return game. I think McKinstry and 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 Gibbs are are definitely two of the primary ones. Yeah, I would think so. I I would I would be surprised if Gibbs wasn't one of the guys back deep on kickoffs for sure. And then punts, McKinstry, and maybe even Jermaine Burton in that area too. You know how that goes with punt returns. That's more about trust. Catch That's it. more about decision making and securing possession on punt returns. And, you know, I think Kool-Aid has that big play potential for sure. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it could come down to regardless of who it is on punts, we feel like this guy first and foremost is going to make sure we get possession of the football. Yeah. The Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. We're going to take a quick timeout right now to thank a couple of sponsors. We're going to start by telling you, all about North River Dental Associates and that fantastic service you get for all of your dental needs from Jack Smalley and his great group of dental hygienists over there, right off of Watermelon Road in Fairfax Park. They're going to get you in and out in less than an hour, typically, for a routine cleaning. They got that outstanding uh, outdoor terrarium going on. It's a little hot for those uh, critters that like to run around back there. A lot of fun, though, to see what uh, uh, scurries through. Uh, that terrarium when uh, you have a, a seat at Dr. Jack's. Routine cleanings, again, in under an hour and whatever other dental needs you might have, whether it's cosmetic dentistry, porcelain veneers, dentures, dental implants, they do it all over at North River Dental. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments, the teeth whitening services, always popular as well. If you'd like to make an appointment, you can give Dr. Jack's office a call at 752 752- 3506. You can also make an appointment online at NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. There they are. Those signature hand-dipped chocolate strawberries. There it is. That signature chocolate-covered popcorn. You're going to find those at Peter Brook Chocolatier, among all the great treats, that's right, it's football season, so your Roll Tide treats are going to be ready for you. So much great stuff to choose from. And look, if you're like me and you're that type of person that just wants to go in and grab that gift and go for that special someone or that party or that last-minute get-together, Peter Brook Chocolatier is perfect for that. Just jump inside the store there. So many great options from which to choose. Football season right around the corner. You're going to want to make your tailgate distinct and special, and they can help you do that as well with a variety of treats there at Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Travis, I know it's a little harder for you to get over to Peter Brook of Tuscaloosa <laughs> these days. What of that quality control job you must be going through? Yeah, you know, it's, I, it, that up. I, I have to, I have to make it count. You know, and I and then I have to have more bulk, you know, I have to have more bulk on hand. But 
I'm making it work. You know, it's a little more difficult, like you said, but but getting by at this point. Yeah, yeah. Used to sound like a casino in there with the, <laughs> with the uh, levers being pulled. You know. Yeah, yeah. I look like a, a 78 year old grandma on the one arm bandit. <laughs> you know, in Philadelphia. Those by those, the uh, those by the those pound machines. chocolates. Oh yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Finally, going to tell you all about our corporate sponsor, DraftKings. Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, the first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise right now. Get your full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. You buy, you sell, you bid, and you win. Player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions in the DraftKings marketplace. You craft your lineups, build your NFT franchise, enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions. The next generation in fantasy sports is here. So download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. That'll help us out here at Talking Tide. You click that Rainmakers tile, opt in to get your first card free, plus play for millions all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. All right, Travis, we will uh, delve into uh, a little bit on the defensive side of the ball from scrimmage work and uh, maybe touch on a couple of topics around the SEC as well. Defensively for Alabama, though, Travis, I think Terry and Arnold certainly stands out uh, as a guy who's been playing with those ones. Uh, it sounds, and, and you know, Nick Saban didn't come out in the uh, post-scrimmage and say that right now Arnold's with the ones and Ricks is with the twos, but uh, the word is that's the way it's looking for the time being. Yeah, it, it it's starting to become at least a little bit concerning that Nick continues to refer to Eli Ricks as still earning the defense or right. getting comfortable with the defense. And, you know, this was a guy who was there for spring practice in March and April. So it's not like Eli Ricks, you know, showed up a day or two before the start of fall camp like a Landon Dickerson a couple of three years ago. And even Landon jumped right into the mix, different position. But, yeah, it's – and I think Terry and Arnold's an outstanding talent. Uh, you know, he was a guy coming out of high school. You wondered if he was a safety or if he was a corner. Well, in a lot of instances like that, if there's a tiebreaker, they're typically going to start a guy at corner because they feel like they can move him to safety, you know, if it's it's if it, if it it's close. And so he's been impressive by all accounts. And sounds like Kool-Aid's pretty much the guy on the other side, Chase, but – you know, I think in Arnold and even Jacquez Robinson, they've got some guys that going into fall camp that weren't in the big three, so to speak, mm-hmm. that are capable of starting a lot of places. And Arnold's one of those guys. So, yeah, with Kyrie Jackson apparently sidelined by a groin strain on Saturday, that opens the door. And they've got really good competition at that spot. It's been interesting this offseason because we've talked about it. Eli Ricks in a lot of mock drafts is a first round pick for the 2023 draft. And, you know, closer to the program, you're, you're wondering, is this guy going to actually start? Because there are guys, there are other guys in this program that are very capable. Yeah, there are. And, and, 
it's one of those positions where you, there's no such thing as having too much depth. You can't have enough pass nope. rushers. You can't have enough running backs. And you definitely cannot have enough at that corner position. You really need three that you can really rely on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Alabama's blessed to be in a situation certainly where the star, the dime, they got that they got that covered with Brian Branch, Malachi Moore, et cetera. Uh, so – to have if they can develop three that they can that they can really trust and rely on to play those outside spots make a big difference for them for sure. Terry and Arnold, Kyrie Jackson, and Eli Ricks though, uh, they're they, that clearly that battle continues. It does, and it's it's a great thing, like you said. It, you went into the camp, and and a lot of the talk was about three of the guys, and uh, now it's about four. And we saw it just last season. Uh, they were basically about a corner short by the end of the season because of injuries to their two starters. Right. Uh, and then they were down to McKinstry and Kyrie Jackson in the national championship game. So no, you, you can't have enough starters. And, you know, we talk about Malachi Moore and Brian branch. They're in a great spot with both those guys, but even in the sub package roles, if you have one or both of those guys go out, you need a Jacquez Robinson, you need a Devonte Smith, some of these younger guys that they've continued to develop. Uh, the star and the money to to be ready to go. What about moving on, Travis, uh, around the league? What about the Cal Stoops tiff uh, that we were treated to this week? John Calipari, the Kentucky basketball coach, of course, making the comment that, uh, which seemed pretty benign to me on the whole. He said, look, this is a basketball school. Yeah, Yeah. I, I love our football program. I thought it was funny that he said, I hope they win 10 like, like that, you know, like that's really what Mark Stoops has got on his bulletin board. You know, let's win 10. Uh, but uh, Stoops took uh, some exception. I to thought it. it was a little, a little Billy Batsish. I thought it was a little, <laughs> go get your shine box. Yeah. Mark's the best. He'll make your shoes look like mirrors. That's uh, the way I, I took it. You're a little out of order, Cal. You're a little out of order yourself. Uh, maybe I, you I don't, know I don't shine. Said, tell me it's my body. I don't shine to it no more. You've been away for a while, Cal. You went out of the tournament early. You've been away for a while. Maybe you didn't hear. Nobody came up uh, there and told you. Nobody well, came up there and told you. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Give us any excuse to to go to the Billy Bat scene, and we will absolutely, absolutely do it here on the podcast. I, I agree in that Cal's not wrong, but does he have to say it? You know, maybe for the sake of athletic department morale, we can keep some of these things to ourselves, John. If you're Mitch Barnhart, that's how the talk with Cal starts. John, I'm not going to sit here and argue or debate the place of men's basketball in this athletic department. However, and the Stoops news conference in the aftermath was awesome because he well he went straight Youngstown. I mean that's that dude's straight Youngstown. So what do you think he's gonna do? They that whole town fights. They'll fight yeah. you over a damn White Castle. You know. <laughs> he says he he shrugs a lot of it off and says I'm done talking about this. I'm moving on like you'd expect. You know, is a little Jimbo Fisher issue. But then know? he couldn't he couldn't help himself. He couldn't mm-hmm. help himself. Mm-hmm. Right in the middle of it, he goes, you know, our program wasn't born on third base. Bing, what are you still doing here? I thought I told you. That's what it was kind of like. It was so much Goodfellas in all of this. I loved it. Yeah, There's about yeah. four different Goodfellas scenes I feel like I could go to. 
But you know who the biggest loser in the whole thing was? Mitch Barnhart. Yeah. Yeah, what's he going to do? With the horse crap. Well, you guys all started this. Yeah. Talking about the media, of course, right? Come on, Mitch. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I don't know just because you don't have the intestinal fortitude to pull Cal aside and say, hey, John. Yeah. Like I said earlier, nobody's arguing that men's basketball at the university. Why, why didn't Nick Saban say that? Nick Saban doesn't have to say that about right. Alabama football. You That's know? That's right. That's right. And it's almost know, like Cal's just feeling a little insecure after that first round loss to St. Peter's. It's almost yeah. like he's trying to remind himself, you know? He, he doesn't have to remind anybody. He's got a lifetime contract. That's what know? I'm saying. So, what, yeah. What, I don't get it either. You know? I don't get that's it some, either. That's some Billy Gillespie crap back when he was the coach at Kentucky. That's some stuff I, I would expect out of a Gillespie, not a John Calipari. Yeah. It was it was pretty bad. I I didn't mind it with Stoops. I mean, as he said, you know, it, it's hard enough in that job. And then you got and and we can talk well. about really context. Has. And a lot of the the water carriers for Cal and UK basketball were quick to. Well, you got to listen to the full. Yeah. I, I I don't no. care. <laughs> At any point within the full answer, that wasn't the route to go. For Cal, and if he gives one squirt about harmony within the athletic department as a whole, you don't go there. No, no. And then Barnhart just looks like the biggest loser. He looks like a bigger loser than Cal by the time it's over. Fine entertainment, though. For yeah, sure. I mean, you know, we're kind of getting into this. Yeah, Death Valley type area of fall camp needed a little juice. Who knew it would be coming from Lexington? Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, don't count on it coming back. It's like there. Bear Bryant in the brown suit back in the day, you know. <laughs> That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us next Sunday. We'll be recapping the Crimson Tide's second scrimmage of the spring at that time. Until then, we'll see you for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, and we'll talk to you next time here on Talking Time.